tonight, a new poll shows that Canadians overwhelmingly oppose schools keeping children's transgender experiments hidden from parents. It's August 31st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. The pendulum swings, but it sometimes swings back. I'm talking about transgender extremism, but it applies to a lot of things too. I mean, for example, there's only a single premier in Canada of a province. There's only one province in Canada whose premier is still liberal, and that's Newfoundland and Labrador. His name is Andrew Fury. And the latest opinion poll, by the way, shows that he's in a statistical dead heat with the Conservative Party. Trudeau used to be a rising tide that lifted all ships. Now he's the anchor dragging them down. Hey, how do you think this tone-deaf comment is going to play in Newfoundland? It's like the Liberals want Premier Fury to lose. Like you said, Premier Andrew Fury has written a letter again to the Prime Minister asking for a pause on clean fuel regulations. In your opinion, is, is there a chance that that pause could happen? Look, um, I take the concerns um, of the Premier, um, of Ken's constituents, because Ken talked to me about them. I take those concerns very seriously. The cost of living is a real challenge here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, gas is a part of that. Heating oil is a part of that. I think it's important. Um, to recognize that the Climate Action Incentive payments, they're going to make a difference. That's $1,300 for a family of four. Um, I don't want to overstate it. Um, it won't solve everything, but it will make a real difference. And I do also think um, we all need to recognize, and look, I, people here recognize it maybe more than pretty much anybody else in the country, um, that the climate transition is an opportunity for our country, um, that it is something that if we embrace, and we are, that is a tremendous source of jobs and growth for today and for the future. Sorry for playing so much video from such an irritating, shallow cabinet minister. Uh, let me change your palette with another irritating, shallow cabinet minister. Uh, here's uh, Seamus uh, O'Regan. Um, um, I love being in Argentina. Um, we have been talking for so long about an energy transition and it's going to happen and what does it mean? And, you know, it's particularly stressful when you talk about this sort of stuff and change and everything when, you know, you live and you represent an energy, an oil producing province, right? Because what is that change going to mean? This is where the action is right here. This is what it means. Jobs, 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 jobs on the ground stuff that we are now seeing being built. Yeah, I don't really think people believe you when you say there will be jobs, jobs, jobs by transitioning away from the real job they have towards an imaginary job you can't even explain after eight years in power. But seriously, does anyone in the world believe that a higher carbon tax is going to make life easier for them? An opportunity for our country that artificially forcing the shutting down of a real industry like oil and gas will make way for jobs, jobs, jobs. So yeah, the pendulum. If I were a liberal MP from anywhere outside Montreal or downtown Toronto, 
I'd be getting nervous right now. I mean, look at this. I, I really haven't seen it like this before, not since the 1980s when Brian Mulroney swept out the tired liberals after 16 years of Pierre Trudeau. Expect to see some cabinet ministers jumping ship over the next few months to corporate boards or other patronage gigs now rather than losing the next election. So we'll wait to see how that goes. But look at what's happening at the provincial level. First, it was Blaine Higgs, the New Brunswick Premier. Do you remember what he did earlier this summer? Here's how the CBC put it. The growing controversy in the New Brunswick legislature has stemmed from the government's review of and changes to policy 713 which established minimum standards for schools to ensure a safe, welcoming, and inclusive environment for LGBTQ students. Do you think that's really what Premier Blaine Higgs is against? Do you think that's actual journalism there? Do you think any political leader in Canada is against a safe, welcoming place for students of any background? That's not even pretending to report the news, is it? You have to read a little further to see what he was really proposing. Among the changes sparking debate is that students under 16 now need to get their parents' permission to have teachers and staff use their chosen names and pronouns. Higgs defended the change, saying information about a child should not be hidden from their parents. Got it. So teachers and young students can't keep sexual things a secret from parents. All right. I mean, how creepy is it that they can keep those secrets like that right now? That's super creepy. Blaine Higgs showed a rare backbone and didn't cave in despite a failed mutiny from some of his own MLAs. They probably got an earful from their constituents and knew that if they forced an election on the matter, which they could have done, that Higgs would have probably swept every seat in the province. Rosemary Barton of the CBC was furious with him, but I don't think Rosemary Barton's going to win a lot of votes in New Brunswick. Uh, here, take a look at this. You used some language yesterday in, in the legislature that, I, I, frankly, I'm not sure Premier actually helped the conversation. You talked about gender dysphoria becoming, quote, popular and trendy. You said, we have a situation that's growing because there's acceptance that this is fine. Do you think that those are appropriate comments? It, 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 do you have a problem with the idea of gender dysphoria? Well, my my position, uh, Rosemary, is not the not the issue in that sense. My my position as a grandfather and as a father is that I think that that kids in especially these vulnerable years in elementary school years, uh, you know, are are let's say you know toddlers being being exposed to well, I may not be a boy or girl. Um, that that is uh, the role that parents need to play. A role. those are very formative years, and and so how do we ensure that? Everyone understands yeah. what is being presented, what's in the school system, and then and then we work through it. Sure, I think sure, but I, I guess I'm wondering, Premier, if your personal views are influencing your your policy decisions because it sounds like they are. No, Rosemary, it's not about my personal views at all. It, it's about um, a role as a parent and a grandparent, um, and thinking about um, my my grandchildren now that would be attending school and and the fact that. Her parents would would not know um, what what she was uh, being taught or okay. what information was being supplied because I think most parents you know take for granted that the school system is doing them everything that they would approve of but there's so many things that parents are asked to have their consent on so many things and yet gender identity is is not one of them now, of course being trans is trendy that's just a fact it's a mind virus as elon musk would say it's being force fed into children at school that's why the schools want to keep it secret and keep parents out of it and by the way of course blaine higgs is bringing 
in his personal experience to bear. What a weird question is if Trudeau and Barton don't rely on their own opinions and consciences to form their own political views. It's just weird. How can a human not rely on their own views? But Blaine Higgs won that battle. A year ago, in the polls, Higgs was behind by as much as 18%. Now he's tied for first place. I give some credit to this issue, don't you? Boy, the CBC is mad about this because Trudeau is mad about this because, like my comments yesterday about fighting U.S. Republicans, the liberals would much rather have culture wars about transgenderism than talk about inflation or housing costs or crime or pretty much anything else, except that this is something that actually really scares parents because it wasn't too long ago that a grown man who said to a young child, hey, let's talk about sex, but keep our conversation secret from your parents. That, that's a stranger danger moment. That's a call the police moment. Now the stranger danger is coming from inside the schools. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, this is some audio recording from a recent school meeting. One Saskatchewan school in a small town has 32% of children identifying as gay or trans. Sorry, that's not real. That's, that's not biological. That's not statistical. That is a mind virus. That's a fad. That's a fashion. That's an extremely active and aggressive teacher somewhere acting in secret. Here, just listen to a minute of this. They are grade 7 to 12 population. 32% of our very, students very high. identified <clears throat> with that um, within the LBTQ community. So if I can create an environment by doing something like that to make them feel safe, I'm going to do it. Are they identifying that to that because it's taught in the school? No, they're, they're aware of what everything entails and they're identifying in a survey or to their counselor with their... So a survey? Who gives them the survey? <clears throat> so the school division would give the survey. At, it's mandated by the government of Saskatchewan. So it's given from grades 4 to 12. Yeah. What exactly is being done in secret at that school? Well, we're maybe going to find out. Anyways, here's how the CBC framed this one in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan opposition says pronoun and naming policy motivated by politics, transphobia. But of course, that's Trudeau's line too. Saskatchewan's opposition leader says a new policy on naming and gender pronoun use in schools is motivated by politics and transphobia. NDP leader Carla Beck called the policy announced by Education Minister Dustin Duncan reckless, cynical, and divisive politics. What we saw from this government was calculated policy to solve their own political problems and a policy that we fear will put already vulnerable kids at greater risk, Beck said. We don't support outing kids. So that's the news, according to the CBC. You have to dig further to find out what exactly the government proposed, as opposed to how the opposition and the CBC framed it. Here, I'll read. On Tuesday, Duncan announced that schools in the province must seek the permission of parents or guardians before allowing students under the age of 16 to change what the province refers to as preferred name and pronouns. You know, Blaine Higgs mentioned it. You, you need parents' permission for everything, for a field trip, for lunches with peanuts in them, for anything in school but changing your sexuality and having the school participate in, it in secret. That's got to remain a secret, even for children of tender years. 32%. Yes, uh, Rosemary, it is trendy, isn't it? I wonder where that comes from. I wonder where this trend comes from. This is a page from Trudeau's new innovation at the CBC. He's had it going for a few years. It's called CBC Kids News. 
They basically rewrite hard left-wing woke news articles for young kids, and then they have child actors read the news. Endless propaganda about kids and transgenderism. This is for minor children. But the thing about the political media industrial complex is that it is a real echo chamber. If you're on Twitter, if you're in the provincial legislature building, if you're in the CBC newsroom, everyone you know is using their preferred pronouns. You've got a few they, thems that everyone's scared to offend, and everyone is harmonizing towards this new insanity. But you step outside of that and into the real world, which politicians actually have to do because if they don't, they'll lose an election unlike teachers and CBC journalists who never have to worry about that, in the real world, going door to door, knocking on doors, this is all craziness. This is madness in the abstract. And parents are terrified in the, of their own children in particular. Because it's not just being a tomboy now. Girl's a tomboy. It's not just pink hair or some other temporary face. They're talking about puberty blockers, hormones, even radical surgery. That's what's real today. That scares parents, scares me. Parents hate this. The CBC's obsessed with it. And you can see what they sound like when they mutually reinforce each other. Here's the NDP's leader in Saskatchewan. I'll never support outing vulnerable kids. Scott Moe, his minister, and the media will be hearing from me later this day. That's what they call letting parents know what their kids are doing in secret with sex ed teachers. They call that outing them. And the NDP's critic on the file chimed in, and I'm going to swear here because I'm just quoting, Scott Moe and Dustin Duncan are fucking cowards. Got it. I'm guessing she'd have similar words for parents who were concerned about their kids and wanted to know about their kids. Hey, can I show you a story from Saskatchewan from a town called Lumsden? Just 1,800 people, and it's a suburb of Regina, really. I can't imagine a more conservative place, so to speak, but... Look at this story from a few months ago. Duncan suspends Planned Parenthood from presenting in schools. Planned Parenthood is suspended by Saskatchewan government from school presentations after A to Z cards describing graphic sex were found in Lumsden. I love that word, found. So, so that's what they're doing in secret. Here, let me read a little bit. Education Minister Dustin Duncan has announced Planned Parenthood is suspended from all presentations in Saskatchewan schools related to health and wellness courses. The issue had to do with the material that Planned Parenthood had left in the classroom for students to take if they wanted to. Duncan confirmed that the material consisted of a deck of cards that ran from A to Z, with every letter relating to a word relating to sex. The words were then defined in graphic detail on the cards, which included explicit references to sexual and other acts. Duncan was visibly uncomfortable as he described examples of what was on the cards to the media, which included graphic descriptions of oral sex. I think it gives you a sense that if I feel uncomfortable saying that to the media, and it's likely that some of that won't be broadcast because of the nature of it, is an indication that it doesn't need to be in the classroom if those phrases won't likely be broadcast tonight on the 6 o'clock news. So yeah, imagine being so outraged that parents get to see what's going on in schools. So Saskatchewan joins New Brunswick in putting parents ahead of the CBC and the sex maniacs. Here's Scott Moe, the Saskatchewan Premier. Parents must be included in all important decisions involving their children. Education Minister Dustin Duncan today announced that all Saskatchewan schools will have a consistent policy on parental inclusion and consent. Mo mentioned name changes, gender changes, and any other outside groups like that sex cards group. 
pretty modest reforms, really. But boy, did the CBC NDP freak out. But following Mo's tweets in recent days is encouraging. I, I believe this one. Do you hear? Take a look at this. Every stop these last few days, we have heard positive responses about the new education policy on parental inclusion and consent. Seriously, what parent would say, no, I don't want the right to know what my kids are being taught in sex ed. I don't want any role in that. I'd rather leave parenting of my child up to a 20-something woke activist teacher who keeps secrets from me. Here's another tweet from Scott Moe. The NDP thinks the government's role is to stand up to parents. The Saskatchewan party believes the government's role is to stand up for parents. Of course, he's right. And I think I just saw an election campaign ballot question there, didn't you? And then this on Monday from Scott Moe. A new poll from Angus Reid Institute shows strong support in Saskatchewan and across Canada for parental inclusion and consent in education with 86% in Saskatchewan supporting some level of notification for parents when children want to change their gender identity in school. Just 10% agree with the NDP position that parents should not be informed. Seriously, these numbers are so lopsided, I can't honestly think of another public policy question where the elites are so offside with the people. Not since Trudeau paid $10.5 million and apologized to Omar Khadr. Saskatchewan is the strongest support in the country, but the numbers are huge everywhere else, too. The pendulum, it's swinging back. Oh, sure, the media party will lie. I mean, look at this headline in Global News. I just read the poll to you. Canadians divided on parental consent on pronoun changes, poll, poll finds. Divided? Divided? I mean, I guess they're divided on every single question. There's no total unanimity on anything, technically speaking. Here's how the actual pollster put it. This is from the Angus Reid polling website. Vast majority say schools should inform parents if children wish to change their pronouns are split over issue of parental consent. The lowest support for informing parents is in the Atlantic, where it's a mere 67%. Like I say, it's 86% in Saskatchewan. But Global says parents are split. What a pack of liars. Look, it's so lopsided that Canada's worst conservative government, Doug Ford in Ontario, even he can read the polls. Here's their hapless education minister. He saw that Blaine Higgs and Scott Moe survived the CBC's outrage just fine. So here he dips his toe into the water a little bit. Here's part of his announcement the other day. Um, will Ontario bring in policies like we've seen in New Brunswick and now Saskatchewan to require that parents be informed if their children change gender identity at school? And I would love to hear from Patricia about this as well. Look, I think uh, it's important to note that every school must be safe for every child. I think we understand, though, that parents you know, must be fully involved and fully aware of what's happening in the life of their children. I mean, often there are health implications, and I think we, we have to respect the rights of parents, recognizing that these can be life-changing decisions. And I think parents want to be involved so that they can support their kids. And I think that's a really important principle that we must uphold. Is that, is that you are going to require it then, like with legislation? We're simply making clear as a province that we believe parents should be fully involved, fully aware uh, of what's happening to their children. And these are significant changes and they have a right to know. And so we would expect school boards to be transparent with parents as we always have. How do you 
respond to the criticism we've heard from, you know, that it puts some LGBTQ kids at risk, where maybe they're not, you know, their home environment's not a safe place for them to be out or to have a right. different gender identity? No, for sure. I mean, this is why I led with the recognition that safety must prevail, the safety of the child, both at home and school, for, where there are exceptional circumstances where there can be situations of, of potential harm to a child. Educators are well-versed on exactly what to do and who to turn to if they believe that child may be harmed for whatever reason or whatever circumstance, the, we will always safeguard the right of children to be safe. We'll always ensure that that is the case. Educators do amazing work to recognize the signs and the changes in behavior and, and energy and attitude. Uh, they really do wear many hats and we're grateful for what they do, but there's a well-established protocol to ensure the safety of children, and I have every confidence that the, what has been the case for many years will continue to be that they can leverage those, um, that protocol if they believe something potentially could put the child at risk. But as I say, as an overarching value system, I really do believe um, that parents need to be fully aware, fully uh, engaged, and that school boards need to be transparent with, with, with parents. I mean, they are the legal guardians. They love their kids. They want to be aware of what's happening in the life of their children in their schools. And I think that that is really important that they know. So your position is that they should, but there's not a, a requirement to report or a, anything like that, any directive like that from the Ministry of Education? Uh, school boards will have policies. I'm just affirming to you the province's position on the matter quite clearly, which is parents have a right to know and we will respect parental rights. We think boards must do the same. Slowly but surely, parents are waking up and taking back schools from the crazies. It can be powerful during the lockdowns when many kids did school from home via Zoom. A lot of parents saw for the first time the sort of craziness going on in the class. That's why the state of Virginia had a surprise upset electing a Republican governor for the first time in a dozen years, swinging the state 11% towards Republicans. Almost all of that a parents uprising against school wokeness. Here's Texas governor with another piece of the puzzle just the other day. I was proud to sign the Save Women's Sports Act this year. Biological men will not be allowed to compete against women in college athletics in Texas. Texas will safeguard the legacy and integrity of women's collegiate sports for generations to come. Pierre Polyev, who's quite cautious, can see the writing on the wall, too. Here's a story in the Toronto Star. Headline, gender identity pronouns in schools. Polyev and others say, leave it to parents. Parents say they want to know. Here's what experts say. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm not really interested in what experts say about parenting my kids or you. And what is an expert in parenting other than a parent? Anyone who says, no, 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 I'm an expert in parenting. You're just an amateur at parenting your child. Well, right there, that's pretty much all you need to know about them. You know, conservatives are often told by the smart people, by the experts, that conservatives can only win if they shut up about cultural matters, the culture wars, shut up about wokeness in schools, just accept what Justin Trudeau says about social issues or else Rosemary Barton and the CBC will be really mean to you to her 20,000 viewers on CBC. Yeah, no, if I could wave a magic wand, every single election in Canada this year would be about transgenderism in, in sex ed classes, in sports, in girls' teams, in, in prisons, in bathrooms, every single election. Let's test the CBC liberal NDP group think against what the people have to say. Stay with us for more.
Justin Trudeau announced to the world that he and his wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, were separating. And the first round of commentary by all the media party pundits was, hey, everybody, it would be extremely crass to talk about this. This is something we must not do journalism about, and that's that. And I have to tell you, in some ways I found that persuasive in that Sophie Trudeau wasn't a particularly public person. She hadn't been in quite a while, and it was really no secret that her and Justin Trudeau were estranged. You could simply see whether or not she was wearing her wedding ring at any given moment. From time to time, she came out to do some perfunctory wifely things on the arm of her husband, but there were some shocking moments, like, I think it, this was when they went to get a jab or something, and he tried to hold her hand and she pulled hers away quickly. I can't remember exactly. Here's the video clip of that. <laughs> I actually felt bad for Justin Trudeau for a second when I saw that. Yes, I was capable of that emotion, but it is true. After her disastrous Martin Luther King Day song singing performance, she really didn't have any more public roles, and I just have to share with you a moment of that. Here's Sophie Gregoire Trudeau singing her homemade song at a Martin Luther King Day event in Ottawa. I should tell you, if you don't know, um, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau is not black. Uh, and I, I'll just add in for extra effect the duet provided by our alumnus, uh, Gavin McKinnis. Here, take a look at that. Some people die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Angels can fly. Yeah, yeah. And some people fight. Look how white that audience is. Without knowing why. Oh, sing it, Some sister. Preach it. Live without seeing the light. Oh, my God. Look at them. What do you think, brothers and sisters? There's some African back there. He's never even heard of Martin Luther King. Look at the picture behind her. Who's this lady? Good will prevail. Uh -huh. The love that I feel when you smile back at me, when you smile back at me. Is she Eartha Kitt? In the cone of your eye. Oh, it's a new song now. Either we will say goodbye, but nothing will take away what's between you and me. Oh my God, is that guy asleep or blind? Back at me. When, when you, you smile, smile back, back at me. When you smile, when you smile, when you smile. Beautiful. I love you. I love my you too. Child. I love you, my child. Ooh. Check this out. Was she Eva Perone? Is this Evita? Don't cry for me, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm having fun, but my point is I think Sophie Gregoire Trudeau actually is sort of a private person. She's not out on the hustings with her husband, unlike, say, Anida uh, Polyev, Pierre Polyev's wife, who is quite often campaigning with him. I should point out 
that Sophie Trudeau has set up a media relations and advisory company, and the fact that she's officially separated from her husband perhaps allows her to do business without disclosing it to the government. And let's be honest, no one would hire Sophie Trudeau for media advice any more than, no one, than anyone would buy a painting from Hunter Biden because it's beautiful art. You're doing it to show your friendship with the regime and laundering money. I think that's behind the timing of the separation. But back to my point, we were told immediately that we cannot talk about this. Do not turn this into public fodder, we were told. But then it got a bit weird. It was as if Justin Trudeau doubled the amount of commentary and photographs he published of his own kids, showing himself going to movies with them showing them on video. And here's news from Alberta. Justin Trudeau brought his daughter to a public event. And our friend Arthur Green from Western Standard was there joining us now via Skype to talk about this bizarre occasion is Arthur Green. Arthur, great to see you again. Thanks for joining us. You're the legislature reporter for Western Standard. Tell us what the event was, and then we'll throw to a video clip of it. Uh, yeah, so last Saturday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau held a $1,000 a head fundraiser uh, here in Edmonton at the convention centre, which was uh, which was quite odd because we all know that the Liberal Party uh, doesn't really have a presence uh, here in Edmonton. So uh, in the room, I counted roughly 100 people inside of the convention centre uh, to hear Trudeau speak. Uh, again, half of them may or may have not been staffers of his uh, but I was quite astonished uh, when the Prime Minister took the stage. Um, he actually brought his daughter, Ella, on stage uh, to show her a room full of people that didn't hate her dad. So basically, he brought, uh, he brought Ella on stage uh, just to show her, hey, there's people that uh, actually do like your dad in politics uh, in Canada. Let's take a look at that now. We've uh, got a one-minute excerpt of your video. Let's watch. Thank you for being here, Ellen. There you go. Um, but it is important uh, to be able to ground myself and my kids. Uh, and it reminds me why it's so important that we continue to build a positive vision for this country uh, and that we tackle the big challenges we're facing with the goal of solving them. But there's far too many people out there in politics who focus on politics as a way or where the goal is just to get elected. And when all you want to do is get elected, it may seem like a really appropriate and responsible strategy to cleverly divide people, to weaponize intolerance, to amplify fear and anxiety, to exploit people's divisions and concerns about the realities that we're facing in a very complicated world, not so much offer solutions, but offer that echoing back that amplification of things that people are feeling. And you can mobilize that to get elected. But if you really want, and you're really committed to finding solutions for the great challenges that we're facing, if you want to try and bring people together to build that better future, 
for our kids, for our grandkids. And that's hard work. It's hard work, particularly for liberals, where we stand ourselves in the middle of the spectrum. And yes, times are tough right now. Times are tough everywhere around the world. And knowing that we have the best debt to GDP ratio and the lowest deficit in the G7 doesn't reassure someone when they're having trouble paying for their groceries. People are struggling. But ask yourselves, what problem was ever solved by making people more fearful? What problem was ever solved by focusing people on laying blame against a federal government, against a certain group of people, against a minority? What problem was ever solved by dividing people rather than bringing them together? I, I just can't help but chuckle, Arthur. This is the guy who, during the pandemic, said, "Should we even, uh, should we even grant civil liberties to the unvaccinated? How dare you, unvaccinated, expect to sit next to us, the clean people?" This is the person who ran an entire political campaign demonizing the other, a minority, to be sure, and now he's against demonization. Classic Trudeau. Putting aside that. What do you make of him trotting out his daughter? She's a minor, isn't she? I don't know. I don't remember offhand how old she is, but she's just a teenager, I think. What, do you know how old she is? And do you know what, what? What's your take on that part of this, his using his daughter as a prop? I have some thoughts, but I'd like to hear yours first. Um, I don't actually know her exact age. Now, I, I try to keep my opinion out of things to remain unbiased, but it seemed to me as if he was uh, grasping at heartstrings uh, you know, to try to win over the older liberal voters who uh, actually attended this fundraiser. A and I should mention, uh, you know, outside, um, there were quite the number of people uh, flying black flags with expletives on it, expletives on it uh, as, uh, as the prime minister says, uh, you know, opposed to him coming to Alberta. And during his speech, uh, I did put up several videos. Uh, apparently, I was told, I was the only journalist who actually broadcasted these videos. Uh, CBC tried to uh, tried to bury them and frame the prime minister uh, in, in the camera a little bit closer than me to uh, to show that there there was an illusion that there was a lot of people in this place. Um, so as it feels to me as if he's on his last leg and now he's using the the family man uh, type persona to to gain votes. Um, I didn't RSVP for this event, so I caught the Liberals uh, by surprise, of course. Uh, they did let me in. I, I do have a, a press gallery membership with the Western Standard uh, uh, for the Alberta legislature, so I'm an accredited journalist. They couldn't uh, turn me away. Now, they did search me for explosives. Um, this is the uh, this is the third time that I've been with the prime minister in in recent months. I've been searched uh, uh, three times by him uh, for explosives before any of his events. But what really caught me off guard as it was, uh, you know, there were other journalists, mainstream journalists who were allowed to move in this room. Um, they put me on a riser and basically put a liberal staffer next to me, told me I was not allowed to ask questions. Uh, even if I shouted them out, because I did shout at the prime minister at the evacuation center uh, when he visited during the Alberta wildfires. Uh, yeah, 
I was taken a little off guard of just treatment. Uh, again, I remain, you know, it just, it just, it, it kind of peeved me off a little bit. You know, I wanted to get closer uh, to be able to take some nice pictures. And they were like, no, you're not allowed to move. Uh, while CBC journalists and, you know, they roamed the room. And, and I just thought that that was a bit odd. Now, I did have a red T-shirt on. Uh, because the Western Standard colors are red and white. So I'm not sure if they mistaken me for a liberal when I first went in there, but uh, it was just quite odd to me as or to how I was guarded. Well, you know, he, we just finished watching Trudeau talk about don't separate, don't be angry. But, of course, the way they treated you was exactly what he just warned against doing. And the fact that the CBC and others were fine with you being corralled that way shows they truly are part of the regime. But... Um, you know, I, I think, by the way, I just uh, checked, and Ella is 14, which is a pretty young age. And I think there's two reasons why he brought her. This is my theory. Number one, uh, people do hate Trudeau. Obviously not people paying $1,000 a pop uh, to meet him. Those would probably be lawyers trying to get a judgeship. We just saw the story in the National Post of basically lawyers throwing cash at the liberals to get judges seats. So I think there were some would-be judges in the room. So they weren't going to boo him there. Um, I think that still uh, having a wife and a family humanizes, normalizes, makes uh, an unpopular man less unpopular. So since he doesn't have a wife to introduce, I think Ella, his 14-year-old daughter, is sort of filling that role. Now, I don't believe that, that he says, see, I'm showing you people still like your dad. That doesn't make any sense. I, I think that she, I, first of all, I'm not sure how much she would follow politics, but that, I think, is a line not designed for his daughter, but a line designed for the crowd to beg sympathy. Oh, Trudeau, he suffers so greatly, our Trudeau. He's dealt with so unfairly. And don't you know, when you criticize Justin Trudeau, you're really criticizing his daughter. So stop being mean to Trudeau because you're actually being mean to his 14-year-old daughter. Hey, let's trot her out for the cameras. But hey, only if you're nice to her, no criticism. It, it's just so manipulative, but that's Trudeau. Of course he uses his family for pawns and for props. Um, let me ask you, did he stick around Edmonton at all? I mean, he hit that fundraiser, so he's using the private jet to come to Edmonton to scoop up some party cash. Um, did he do any events in Edmonton, or did he get out of that province as fast as he possibly could? Uh, now, he did take in the Pride events earlier in the day. Oh, got it. Very, um, very important part of the uh, Alberta economy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. Of course, he took in the Pride events. Did he do anything else other than the Pride event and the Liberal fundraiser, which are actually cut from the same cloth? Uh, no, he didn't. And I actually track his plane and my followers track his plane on Twitter. Uh, he quickly left after uh, after the fundraiser. Uh, what did surprise me, Ezra, is outside of the uh, the fundraiser, the Edmonton Police Service had about 20 officers on pedal bikes and they blocked the entrance uh, basically to provide safety uh, to liberal attendees as they exited. Now, I did speak up. Uh, I'm not one to stay silent. And I basically asked the cops, you know, what are you guys doing? And they said, uh, you know, we're following orders. <laughs> and then I quickly reminded them, you know, two streets over, uh, social disorder has encompassed Edmonton's downtown. And there's people doing drugs and killing each other two streets over. So I was like, maybe you guys should take a ride past uh, past Rogers Place 
when you're done here. So, like, I just wonder how much money has been spent on uh, Prime Minister Just Justin Trudeau's security here in Edmonton. Uh, I've again, I've been with him three times in the last month, and, and every time it's the same thing. You know, it's a it's a parade of uh, big gasoline pickups and, and SUVs and, and security and RC RCMP dogs and, and you name it and. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show, like, uh, you know, he's been all over Canada last week. You know, he was in, he was, first he went on vacation, then he went to PEI, then he went to Ottawa, then he was in Edmonton uh, the Friday before that, you know, and then Vancouver, and then back to Edmonton again. It, it, he talks about, you know, carbon and, you know, the the impact that, that traveling like this has on the environment. And, and meanwhile, he's you know, jolly lagging around Canada on, on our taxpayers' dime. Well, but and, of course, and he needed to bring uh, his daughter on the private jet. True, what 14-year-old kid wouldn't want to fly on a private jet? Well, Arthur, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're tracking the PM. I'm grateful that you suffer the indignities of both Trudeau's PMO and the regime media who put you in sort of a, a playpen so you can't ask any questions. But I think even by doing that, you show their true nature and keep at it. I'm, I'm glad you're out there fighting like hell. Um, usually when people try to silence you, Ezra, it means you're doing your job. And, uh, you know, uh, I kind of feel like I'm a bit of a threat to the liberals. Uh, you know, uh, I can't be bought. I'm, I'm 0% government funded. And, you know, I'll only write uh, the absolute truth. And that'll be my legacy here in Alberta and at the Western Standard. Right on. Well, it's great to talk with you, Arthur. Uh, just give a shout out to you and the Western Standard. You know, I was involved with Western Standard in another era uh, back in the day when it was an all print magazine. So I'm delighted to see the name revived and the spirit revived. Good luck out there and keep up the fight. Mm -hmm.